All right, welcome to a new episode of Cali Claptrap. Today's guest is Ken Volante. Ken, thank you so much for being a guest. Oh, thank you, Matt. Um, I, I really appreciate it. It's an, it's an honor. I, I, I love your program. Um, I've, oh. I've, I've enjoyed listening to it. It's, a, it's, it's quite a wonderful show. Thank you. That's awesome. So Ken is the host of Something Rather Than Nothing, um, Psychological Exploration into the Act of Creation. He has guests, poets, musicians, writers, painters, and thinkers. Uh, Ken, I was hoping you could talk a little bit, just a little bit about yourself and maybe what led you to start this podcast. Yeah, sure thing. Thanks, Matt. Um, Yeah. So I, I was born out east originally um, from Pawtucket, Rhode Island, kind of famous for the Pawtucket Red Sox, AAA, and uh, the birthplace of the Industrial Revolution in the United States. So uh, kind of industrial, historical place, um, working class. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, just growing up, um, skipping up ahead, uh, school was always really important to me. Uh, I studied uh, philosophy and English at the University of Rhode Island um, mm-hmm. and uh, loved books. Um, and after that, I actually studied uh, philosophy at Marquette University um, uh, for a master's and uh, after that, <laughs> this, uh, thankfully, and very enjoyable, um, labor studies at the University of Massachusetts, which launched me into uh, working in, in, in the labor movement. I've worked in the labor movement for about, 20, about 21 years. Mm. Uh, um, yeah. One, well, and then one of the things is uh, I've done in a couple, cu- couple places primarily, um, uh, I've done labor work, represent Madison teachers uh, in Madison, Wisconsin for about a decade. Um, and at the time that Scott Walker took over <laughs> Wisconsin, uh, so was involved in the Wisconsin revolt in 2011, February, March 2011. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've actually been out in Oregon for about 10 years uh, working, representing uh, teachers, janitors, uh, custodians, food service workers, Um and uh, yeah, so that's that's kind of the, the 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 labor bit about the podcast. If you if you yeah. want me to jump ahead, mm-hmm. um, so for me, like the labor movement uh, is really important to me, but um, it tends not to be intellectually stimulating, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There, there, you know, I'm not putting down the labor movement, but it, it has a history of being just like bread and butter and just kind of plodding through and there's a lot of time taken to think about what is happening, you know, like what has happened economically and what's happening to workers. Um, uh, So one of the things I ended up doing with the podcast was I wanted to be able to do popular philosophy Mm -hmm. in the sense of like having philosophy be acceptable to to people and and mostly fully outside of the university. Um, Because I don't know, little kids, when they pop out, they're philosophers. They're like, we we, yeah. we kind of we scrunch it out of them, but they're like, "What is this? Why is that? What is this?" And um, so philosophy has been really important to me. And I I don't know. I mean, I got the idea. Where do ideas come from? I got the idea, and I said, "I want to really uh, explore." Uh, I started painting at the same time, mm-hmm. so I really wanted uh, things were happening with me psychologically, and it was a, a little bit of a turmoil around that time. But art really helped me and um, had like a therapeutic aspect. Uh, So I 
thought about a podcast and didn't know that much about them and said, I want to get, you know, uh, people who want to engage with these questions and people who want to engage in different questions and um, ask big questions. What is art? Why is there something rather than nothing? Why do you create? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, there's tons of different directions we can go in with that. And, you know, um, we our our interests intersect in a lot of different ways, and so it'll be fun to kind of see what we can explore and come up with in this conversation. So, I guess one of the big general questions I have for you is um, coming out of you know right now. I think you're on like what episode ninety nine to hundred or, or somewhere in there. Episode uh, ninety eight was just released. Ninety eight was just released. Okay, awesome. Um, it, number one, do you find artists are reluctant to talk about, you know, their own source of inspiration? Or do you find that artists are pretty forthcoming and open and transparent about what drives them? Yeah, I mean, that, that's a really good question, because I think in doing this, um, I've known artists over time, but now I'm in like in a deliberate place where I'm communicating, organizing, talking to artists, and they work differently. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. I think everybody has an inclination towards art, but by practicing art, um, I don't think you have to interact with the world uh, uh, differently. I find the here's a couple of things I found about artists in doing the show. Um, Number one, they're starving for like real conversation that isn't always money driven. Uh, mm. like like putting the piece into the marketplace. It's always mm-hmm. like, well, I got to do my press release for the album. And there's a certain routine about it that just feels uninspiring, I think, at times. Yeah. Um, so I find the guests appreciate the questions, but with that many guests, you know, and you, 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 you know, booking guests as well, you, mm-hmm. you come in contact with a variety of experiences and, and, and interactions. Um, and... I find that uh, artists like to talk about what it is that they're doing mm-hmm. and they like to talk about um, why they developed uh, that way. But there's some questions um, and I think they tend to be like deeper psychological questions like in childhood. I find that people either deeply explore that or they're like, here and you can kind of you can kind of tell so everybody has their comfort zone uh, yeah. in their art but most people welcome me in but the thing is Matt you know for every guest I get I probably sent six seven other <laughs> invites yeah. who wants to talk is the big thing yeah right exactly and I have that experience as well and one of the questions I've had for my own um, self is sort of you know what drives me to do these podcasts um, when you know number one, there's so many podcasts out there. Um, and I know you kind of explored it sort of in the, in the beginning sort of, of why you, what first led you to the podcast. Do you still find the same inspiration to drive you to continue this path? And what did it, what is it that you think you benefit most from um, doing these interviews? Yeah. And I, and, and thanks for asking that question. Cause it's a big yeah. one to grapple with, right. As, mm-hmm. an, ind- as an independent producer, you're like, what the hell am I doing? Like, you know, <laughs> what, what, like, what's the aim in a philosopher to write a thinker like yourself? Like you're thinking like, what am I going towards? Like, why am I doing that? Um, I do struggle with that. And, and actually I really struggle with that. I found that there's been a couple periods in the show where I felt everything's good. You know, things are going along well. I get great guests, 
Um, but it didn't like have a verb or an energy inside for me that I could feel. So like, I kind of spike it up um, a little bit, try some different presentation of images, maybe different subject matter. Um, but I, I, yeah, I, I, as far as what to do and how to do it, I, I don't know how long I'm going to do uh, the podcast. Um, I, I plan to do it uh, for a while because what it's providing me is much greater understanding of like living, recovery, health, expression, sexual politics. And I've learned so much about that. And also as uh, an artist, I'm interested in being different things, uh, which is a sh at four, I'm 48 now. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's very fresh and wonderful questions for me, but I'm like looking to make film, um, you know, continue uh, painting, uh, you know, of course, uh, podcasting, just all mm -hmm. the pieces as you start to become an artist, you start to dabble. And that's a newer uh, experience uh, to me. I find the podcast itself very rewarding, but I don't have a plan. So the yeah. plan has been cobbled together as we go along. So I don't have a goal or a plan other than to try to figure out why there's something rather than nothing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and that's sort of the, uh, the title. Uh, how, how did you come up with that? Um, I, uh, I, I've been really interested in um, like being, not being some, uh, nothing and something, a subject and object through a lot of uh, Buddhism I studied and philosophy that I've studied. So like questions of like within Buddhism that there is, you know, no thing, there's no inherent thing there, or is there a something, right? And when I mm -hmm. ask the question, a lot of folks are saying, well, we're talking right now, you know, yeah. so there, there, there's something which is totally true. But I think the, the main idea behind the question is about creation, about why we've created, about why there are these things, and kind of to invite some speculation on that. I like the I like the casual speculation on what some philosophers consider the biggest question you could possibly ask. And so, it, you know, up at the hallowed institutions, you know, people, people are interested in philosophical questions. It's, we're not a philosophical society is the issue. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I mean, um, and, and one of the things I think that led us to sort of talking was you wrote an article called uh, Dale Cooper, Buddhist mystic twin peaks and the art of catching a killer. Uh, wrapped in plastic episode, or issue 67 I believe and I had John Thorne as a guest yeah. was, I'm really obviously a fan of David Lynch and and what he's doing there and, and so you brought in and I haven't read all the wrapped in plastic issues but you, you brought in sort of the, the Buddhist perspective which I thought was key and one of the thing one of the questions I had following reading your article was you know this was written back when the I'm not even sure what they call it right now. The, the new season, right? Third season or the, the return. Yeah. The return. Yeah. Um, what, what did you think of your philosophy of the perspective, the Buddhist perspective, and then sort of what, what we've learned with the new season? Yeah. I, I, uh, thanks for that question because um, my, I, I, I love the article that I, that I, that I wrote, I worked really hard on it and I just liked it because for me, I was trying to provide my own way to understand my favorite show. And mm -hmm. um, I felt that philosophy uh, helped with that. And at the end of the article, um, I basically said that, um, 
you know, the show's over, but who knows, someday might show up in television samsara today and samsara for folks is that kind of circle of a, a suffering existence and uh you know maybe it goes back into the tv and uh well it, it did and so i watched the return which i i actually i actually it's just i love that show uh yeah. so much um I'm midway through only my second viewing because after I watched it once, I just let it sit for so long. Yeah. Um, but I will say this. Um, the, the, the thesis that I put out for the first two seasons, I think, is key. I mm-hmm. don't know about season three. And the reason why I don't know is because you don't have Cooper, like the real Cooper, um, as like an embodiment of um, you know, Buddhist principles, or which, which I claim in the in the article, so you mm-hmm. don't have you don't have a character who's interacting or bumping up against uh, the way that everybody is. Um, I wanted to make one other thing is I when I did the Twin Peaks. Um, the original Twin Peaks article, I'd seen this show probably four or five times I'd watched it, but then I watched it again with that particular idea so I could catch the images of Tibet, mm-hmm. of the maps that are in the back corner. Um, and that's a process I want to do in my next viewing of Twin Peaks to return. Um, but I haven't seen the same uh, dynamic of the Cooper or my thesis of uh, East East thought, West thought uh, colliding uh, in that show. So I don't know, but I really think it's the first couple seasons where that that's a kind of a prominent uh, idea or, or theory. Yeah. And we uh, look forward to the article when it's, once it's written. <laughs> Thank you. Thank yeah. you. You've, you've obligated me on here. And you get to do that. <laughs> Absolutely. I would love to uh, get a listen or, or take a look at it for sure. Yeah. You know, one of the things uh, talking about philosophy, it's such an interesting subject. I know for myself, uh, interested, but I, I, I kind of avoided psychology in college and stuff. Uh, one of the reasons just kind of going through the, you know, the Western philosophy, at, like the bookstores and stuff, it's enough to make my head swim sometimes. And so I really found Eastern philosophy to be a lot more accessible and a lot more uh, pertinent to my own sort of issues that I had been going through and, and probably throughout my life. They have different perspectives, right? And so for you, what do you think, or, or do you still, how, are you, do you consider yourself a practicing Buddhist or do you sort of take bits and pieces to have it? And do you kind of meld your, your different philosophies to kind of form your own view of the world? Yeah, it's, it's probably pretty much the latter. I think if you're a thinker and you kind of have strong passions and beliefs, you know, the question of God, savior, religion, spirituality are, are just, they tend to be vital questions for us. And mm-hmm. um, I, um, I encountered Buddhism actually at Marquette University in a graduate level of Buddhism class and it was philosophy. Um, but my uh, professor was also a practicing Buddhist. So he was able, like for us who were interested, we're able to kind of go to a Shambhala center in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, or like on a Thursday, kind of go over some Indian philosophy and have a meal. It was a really nice, uh, it was a really nice uh, experience. Um, so I practice um, the techniques of mindfulness, which have become more popular and just foundational. Um, yeah. I would say that when it comes to Buddhism, 
uh, Buddhism is most, it has affected my philosophy more than anything. It's, it's yeah. impacted my philosophy more than anything um, on, on traditional questions. And, um, and I practice it to alleviate unnecessary suffering. Mm-hmm. We're all going to suffer. We're a suffering being. We're, a, 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 we're trapped up in here. The Buddhist get in, psychology get into the unnecessary levels, the thinking that that thing over there is real and just this duality that creates this tension, which in the Buddhist analysis leads to, uh, to suffering and, and wanting and uh, desire. I grew up um, Roman Catholic. I'm uh, very influenced by Jesus Christ as a revolutionary uh, thinker. And as um, an agitator and as a deeply caring uh, individual, you know, so I'm very influenced uh, by that. But that doesn't come from the church. That comes from my own, my own connection uh, to, to my readings. Um, yeah. I don't categorize myself uh, in spirituality, but I do engage uh, in what I see as active uh, Christian, like towards charity and, and, mm-hmm. and Buddhist, uh, Buddhist do no harm principle. So for example, I've been vegan for 25 years and mm-hmm. the veganism is, is, is connected to the, the uh, desire to um, alleviate suffering. Mm-hmm. Well, you're not the first uh, recovering Catholic I've had interviewed for sure. And I'm also one of those and, and hopefully one day all those nice things will blend into something more fruitful coming from the church. So that definitely, hopefully will happen sometime in the future, but I'm not holding my breath. I'm uh, uh, Matt, I just wanted to say right now, I just, uh, just a point on what you said right there. Um, yeah. You know, uh, you know, the, 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 the church is a large target, but right now, like um, just hearing about the, um, uh, the, the mass graves at the mm-hmm. res- residential schools in Canada that was mm-hmm. done, you know, under the church, done mm-hmm. under the name of Christ. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's such a deep offense at structural and institutional. Uh, that's where, you know, in your comments too, that's where I get angry. That's where I yeah. get angry, like yeah. um, institution-wide. Yeah. And it connects, I think, you know, talking of, of you know, Christ's message of stuff, of righteous anger, I, I think there's... There's something of that permeating throughout the world right now, as far as looking at past wrongs and how, how you can make amends for where we're at. And, uh, but to go on the tangent of the church, you're right, would, would take us probably in a, a way different direction as far as what I want to focus on. But you're, you're right, the, of what's going on there, there. There's a lot of wrongs to right, um, unfortunately. And we need to engage. We need to, we need to engage. Yeah. These, these institutions are just, we need to engage and say we need yeah. more. Yeah. yeah, that's a good question. You, ha- you talk about engagement and um, it, it's it's something that I always wrestle with as far as, you know, being um, be engaged, but still not lose track of, of being pulled outside your center from all these pr- atrocities that you either, you know, listen to or, 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 you know, there's so much that can take you off your path, in my opinion, but also still be engaged. And one of the things I wanted to bring up um, 
for, for listeners that don't know, I also do another podcast called Growing Down, which focuses uh, mostly from politics, from like an integral theory and leftist perspective. And when I and I saw on your resume, you had this, you know, 20 year history or more of, of the labor movement. How, and, and to me, there's a, a direct connection between being engaged in that movement and recognizing the suffering that can happen with sort of class class warfare, you know? And so I was wondering sort of how, you know, yeah. what, what drew you into to that movement and, and to obviously to become a lifestyle for you? Yeah, and, and, and you, you bring up a, an important point. I mean, like on, on uh, just since we talk of philosophy, like East West, I mean, you know, uh, classic labor is a dichotomy, right? It's labor capital or labor um, uh, management. So I just want to say at the outset, I've always kind of struggled with dualistic thinking in, in a non-dualistic world. But um, I, uh, you know, Pawtucket's a, where I grew up is, you know, kind of, you know, had, had, its, had its edges, right? Like I went to schools that, you know, when I described them to others in my life, they're like, whoa, that happened at school, you know? So th there was a little bit of an intensity to it. It wasn't really bad, but it was a city school. I grew up in city schools. And, um, you know, oh, one, one, of the, one of the things was that I saw so many people who were not even acknowledged uh, as, you know, whether it's classmates of mine, uh, you know, persons of color, um, just, just seemed just harsh, just harsh treatment of, of, of people and just seeing like how workers worked really, really, really hard and didn't quite make it, you know, yeah. like it just didn't make sense to me. Um, I don't come from a labor movement background or a, a union family. Um, I came to it through philosophy. So mm -hmm. when I was studying philosophy, the ideas for me have, have, have power and I could connect in studying the, the rigid analysis of like Marx and Engels in that philosophy of a deep systematic critique of society, of, of, of capitalism. And maybe the, what, in, what it energized me was the working class wasn't shit in the analysis. Like working class were like, wow, like the world does belong to you. And that was so... Um, energizing uh, uh, to me, you know, in my, mm -hmm. in my experience. And, um, and so, yeah, I've worked 21 years um, in, in, in labor. Um, and uh, it's a very complicated uh, field. I, I receive great, um, I have a lot of responsibility and I view labor work as a constant organizing and potential resistance work. Because mm. I, I just believe workers are getting screwed. My teachers get screwed. Um, you know, the K to 12 systems are a, a rough system. So I tried to use my, my, my training, my mind, my ability to um, organize. My biggest thing that I do, I think, is kind of think about issues just a different way because I've had different experiences and I've had different training. So I can try something, um, uh, something different but um as much as as thousands of hours i put into the labor movement as much as i love it i'd leave it tomorrow yeah um because i just seen that i develop other ears of my thought and what i want to do and um 
the intensity of the work, I don't know if I want to be doing this type of work, you know, yeah. a decade from now. It's it's intense and I care enough about myself. <laughs> yeah, it's grinding. Um, what I guess kind of connected with that and just to get your opinion. And yeah, um, that's been a lifelong question uh, to, to, to figure out. And I think about it a lot in the sense of like, labor movement in the terms of capitalism like what do you do with a labor movement what do you do as a union when you're in a capitalist system right you're kind of like a a, a piece over there to try to uh change things um I've, I've supported bernie for me american politics have changed so radically that i've come to completely different conclusions post january 6th um you know the republican party right now is um is close is just closely aligned with very nefarious groups ideologically mm -hmm. and in organizing. So the January 6th attack was carried out with Republican Congress people giving tours to terrorists, yeah. to people who yeah. were going yeah. to attack the Capitol. So for me, politics changed once that shit went down. Um, and the frustrations with the Democratic Party. I mean, you you, you know that 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 mm -hmm. whole piece. The the, the the Democrats like don't provide fundamental solutions to the crisis we're in. I mean, I think if you view things as being in a crisis, then you view different options. And I think uh, socialism is humanism. I think compassion and sharing of resources and mitigating of suffering and increasing wages and well-being and not bowing down to a to an upper rich class. I just don't know why people love rich people so much. Like I don't, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause they always yeah. want to be them, I think. But no, my politics, my January 6th changed my thinking. I, I don't know why we're not still talking about what happened then, you know, like I'm, I was really impacted by that. And I believe one party uh, decided that they were going to exit um, reality yeah. or something. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, yeah, not to get too much into politics, um, but it definitely, you know, when there's a side of me that wants to engage in politics and then there's a side of me that wants to escape it. And I think, you know, talking about art and perhaps the source of creativity, you, you go to a place that hope maybe is more interior um, and withdrawn from the world. Um, and I know you, you talked a little bit talking to artists and also having an art practice yourself. For you, where do you find your source of inspiration? Um, one of the things I've discovered about my mind is that I'm interested in a lot more things than like people I talk to are or I show more enthusiasm towards them. So since that's the way that I am, I've, I've really tried to apply it to, I really like to talk to this person. So when I get a guest or when I say yes to talking to you, Matt, like, I really want to talk to you. Like I want to learn and yes. I want to find out. So I don't know if everybody has that or, or are comfortable with that. That's, that's the way I feel as far as the, um, uh, as far as the, any energy and drive to do it. And I think the, the funny part about philosophy or like, if you're doing an interview with somebody that's not a philosophy interview, the question's could probably have an answer that might kind of end the story. And with yeah. philosophical questions, I love the open-endedness uh, of it because it isn't, it isn't whether there's a God or not. It's, 
the process <laughs> of your mind and understanding in coherence and argument or intuition or whatever it is uh, for you to get um, towards that. Um, but there's a lot of politics in my show, Matt. You say you do a, a show that's mm -hmm. politics. There's a, there's a lot yeah. of politics in my show, but they, they, they arise, they arise from, from different directions and sometimes unexpectedly. Yeah. Um, and, and are you always, and you're never, I mean, I, I would think you're not just based on my interview with right now, never afraid to go into the dark of where that might lead, or do you find the guests are pretty open to talking about politics or? I, you know, politics is, 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 you know, I would say even on the show, like my show, mm -hmm. I never hear the terms Republican or Democrat. Like I almost never do. There might've been a show or two where it was like yeah. this or that. So those organizations uh, don't come up, but what I find, which is ultimately political, a lot of people uh, are grappling with the fact um, uh, that indigenous women like disappear and are murdered near uh, pipelines and that mm. they aren't protected under law given jurisdictional mm. uh, given jurisdictional problems. Huge political issue in, in intersection of environmentalism, feminism, labor, unorganized labor, oil. <laughs> um, so one of the things I've seen is that, um, like I was mentioning, that artists, um, the politics come up and, and they arise around all the issues of maybe being an artist, um, you know, the economics of, of being an artist, getting access, uh, persons of color, um, uh, transgender access issues, which all have to do, uh, all come down to, you know, political, like political questions. Um, so I never really overtly go into the show saying like, how can we resolve this like political issue or something like that? But it gets there all the time because, mm. you know, I'm talking to outsiders, right? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of the times I'm talking to outsiders yeah. and they have a different view of whether they're allowed in or how to get in or things like that. Yeah. That's interesting. I know one of the things that I thought about when I heard your title as something rather than nothing for the podcast and stuff, and one of the things that I always come back to in my own life is the, the fact, and it's more of an existential, the, the ultimate existential question is that, you know, there, there is the fact that life is even happening, that this is even happening. The miracle of that is just sort of that ultimate sort of Satori for me that kind of blows through everything else because there, there's really no explanation for what's happening or, or for this happening and stuff. And so I know when I'm drawn to art and stuff, it, it usually comes from sort of that deepest place of existential sort of wondering about the, the source, the, the beauty of all this. Um, and, I, and I was hoping for you just to kind of wrap it up in, in the sense of when, when you are, um, maybe exploring those same questions. Do you find that people are, are, are drawn to, you know, is it coming more from a suffering perspective or is it coming from, do, do, do you find your guests are still finding the beauty that, that life offers? Man, that's, that's, that's a heck of a question. And I get like, um, 
you know, like wildly varied answers. I mean, if you look at the process of art, right? So when I started the show, I wasn't like I was going to get into the process of art, but I didn't know yeah. what it would reveal, right? And people are working out stuff. They're working. Mm-hmm. They're working out things. I had a recent conversation which deeply fascinated with me, me with uh, uh, Raven Juarez, who's going to be on my hundredth episode, and she she was saying that with her eyes and what she sees when, when we, you know, you see my paintings behind me, the audience can't, but when we paint, we reveal and we show. And sometimes what we have in there is is far more profound, or maybe we didn't know we've let on. And then there's this component where as people share in an art piece or a painting or a movie, and they tend to have shared experience or some sort of more, I don't want to say universal, but moving towards like a universal kind of um, piece to it. There's something uh, that feels sublime about their experience as they as they go through that. So some artists tell me, look, I'm tortured by these demons and that shit's going out on paper and, and mm. there you got it. It's out there in the world. Other mm-hmm. people will do like a painting a year and say, no intent, don't know the color. They're in some sort of state each time that they do it and, and, and they, you know, create that out. Some find peace in the process. A lot of I talk to attempt to find peace. Mm. Others like, it's my fate. Yeah. You know, it isn't really a question of do I enjoy it? It's who I am and that's that. Yeah. So really fascinating to see how people connect to, um, uh, to, to what they do and to see artists as, distinct enough to uh, approach the world in a different way, see it in a different way. And I'm just trying to glean that, that, that wisdom from them. And, you know, myself, as I develop what I'm doing right. yeah, uh, to create, right. When you create something you're like, wow, that wasn't there before, right? you know, so. Right. And so to, to touch on that, cause I think it's so important for everyone to get in touch with some source of creativity. I think it's just Uh, a vital factor to what defines being a human and whatever that might be. It could be cooking. It could be auto mechanics, something where you're doing something that wasn't there before. And I guess my last question for you, Ken, is from your own, for your own self, when you, you when you sit down in front of a canvas, um, what, what state are you entering? What, What are you hoping to get out onto that canvas um, what, what's your own personal drive to that? Yeah, I think, uh, and, and thanks for asking the question about painting, because I think it brings up like really fascinating questions, right? Um, start painting, I start painting at 45, no training, no mm-hmm. training and no aptitude, you know, and whatever, whatever my pieces end up being is whatever they're being, but not knowing what I could draw, how to draw it. Now I'm not figured, I can't, I can't duplicate anything that I see. I mm. can't. It's, mm-hmm. it's not what I do. I try some, so it's mostly abstract and I do try some objects, but even when I'm doing an object, it's not a translation from what's there. It's all in my head. So everything's, yeah. everything's in my head and nothing's um, uh, physical. And then, um, and, and, and then just uh, moving, moving through it. I'm extremely impatient painter. Um, if somebody saw me paint, uh, from a traditional type of thing, I think they'd be shot, surprised, and be like, "You need really need help." But it's, I'll walk from the other part of my house out to the garage at certain moments with, I want this canvas, I want these, and, and I'll do a piece of it. 
but I don't work on a piece like steadily. I go in, out, in, out, and I'm hasty. Like I don't, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's something about what I produce that in no way does it resemble the uh, deep work of shading, building, you know, that, which I respect deeply, but that's Mm -hmm. not me. So yeah, yeah. it tends to be, uh, it, it, it tends to be, um, I go do it when, when I need it and it, it helps. Now, do you find it's your seeking peace? Do you find you're getting the demons out? Do you feel like there's a drive in you like fate that's telling you go get your ass in the garage and grab some paint? What is it for you? Yeah, it it started out as um, rage. Mm. So I would like, I'd be like working really hard. I had some other things going on, relationship difficulties. And I go into the garage and I play, I'm a huge doom metal fan. Okay. Oh, so, so I play a lot of uh, doom metal and other types of music, but um, at that point when I was starting out, it was like, you know, s- slashing and throwing and and and, and hitting yeah. that all the time. You know, there's right. some nuance to it. Um, uh, but but for me, um, it really has to do with just needing at the moment to get something out physically onto something. Yeah. Right. Just here it is. Um, but it started off with, uh, frustration, anger, and just needing to put it out there without, you know, it's either that a punching bag or something worse, right? Right, (laughs) Yeah. Punching bag in the canvas. So that's how it started. But, um, I'm, I'm more at peace with it right now. And for me, I, I try to take, uh, wisdom from David Lynch, who said, Mm. look, uh, I I said this a couple of times on show artists, the the idea or the the nightmare of the tortured artist is not the ideal now you might be in a spot where you have to produce out of that but Mm -hmm. he said you have to come from a place through transcendental meditation of of peace and Mm -hmm. wait for he says i'm gonna put my net in there he's gonna scoop up the fish and the fish Mm -hmm. are all this weird stuff that show up so uh coming from a peace um a place of more peace and evenness. Um, I try to do that. I think my development has been going towards where I'm producing art in a more calmer place. Mm-hmm. And I think in Lynch, um, you said the deeper waters you go, the bigger fish you're going to catch, right? Big, big ab- absolutely. To, to add that on, it bigger, bigger, f- bigger fish down there, but you got to go down, and it gets and the, pr- the pressure gets heavy, and you got to hold That's your right. breath. That's right. And coming up is mandatory. Going down is optional. Ken, thanks so much for being a guest on the podcast. Uh, Continue what you're doing. It's a wonderful, I I find all the new artists um, on Instagram, I'll share it on the description when I share the link to this. As far as new artists and people I'm finding, it's a great, great source of inspiration. Again, thank you so much. Matt, uh, thanks for your great show. Thank you for asking me to be a guest. Uh, it's, it's a deep honor. You do great work. And um, I'm sure we're going to be chatting some more, man. And I'll try to awesome. work on that. I'll try to work, work on that Twin Peaks, the return paper for you. Yes. Thank you so much, Ken. Take care, brother. All right.